are you guys? Welcome to week 10 of our teaching series, Tattoo My Soul. We get this idea of permanently marking ourselves, our souls, with God's Word from Deuteronomy chapter 11. Write my words, God's words, on your heart and in your soul. Do whatever it takes to remember what I'm telling you. Read my words. Discuss my words. Go to art ministry in a little bit and turn my words into art. Live my words. Just know them and do your best to do them. And if you do, I will bless you and I will flourish you. If you are hungry for blessings in this life today, a year from now, look at this book. Listen to a biblical sermon. Hear what it says, remember what it says, and then go do what it says, and blessings and flourishment will be yours. Now, last week, we talked about how our God says, pray for your place, pray for your city, your street, your home, your hometown. And so we talked about that, and we said, let's do that. And we challenged each of you to take, where do you live? And then think of like maybe one square mile around where you live. And we gave you a visual to help you picture it. These are your homes. And these little yellow circles are one square mile around the homes that are represented in this room right now. That's your area. That's your home. That's your place. What would happen if you devoted yourself, if you wore this bracelet all week and said, every time I feel it, every time I look at it, I'll pray for my place. Pray for my hometown. And we still have another week to go in this challenge. And so if you didn't get a bracelet, grab one before you leave. But that's your area. That's my area. The darkness of our hometown. The unrealization of how much we need Jesus. We get to be part of changing that by praying for our place. Look at this. Remember this. Know that you have power to be a light in the darkness. So, key reasons... There are so many why our hometown needs Jesus, needs prayer, needs light, needs these words to be spoken over it, is because our hometown, more than most, struggles with something very dark, very just abominable, heartbreaking. It's suicide, specifically the temptation to take one's life. You guys know from statistics that our hometown... Our county, Montgomery County specifically, number one county in the whole state of Texas for suicide and attempted suicide. What an abysmal statistic to lay claim to. Do you know that God has said you and I have the power to change that, to reverse that? So we want to talk about that today. One of the main things that we need to pray for ourselves and for our hometown is that God would break suicide, break the idea that it is an option, an inviting option, a way to get back at our enemies, a way to escape our pain, a way to handle the things that we can't handle. We are talking about, and we're inviting Jesus as we do talk about it, break this idea in me and in the people I know. So if we're talking about suicide, let's define it so we know what we're talking about. Suicide is the intentional ending of one's own life. Suicide is the intentional destruction of one's own interests. It's to take the greatest thing we've received in this life, life, and to end it and destroy it and to just 
crumple it up and throw it away. Now you guys know, because you are teenagers, because you do live in this area that struggles so much with this, and so I want to get your feedback. Why do you think people are racing to kill themselves, racing to give up? Why are people giving into this idea? Who do you know? What do you know? Short answers. Why is this taking place? You, sir. School. The pressure of school. We have established and discussed in this room over and over for two years the comparison and then the subsequent insecurity that comes with the comparison you live under in our school system is horrible. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's a good challenge, but when taken too far, destructive. Yes, ma'am. We surround ourselves with the wrong people. I had um, some really great groups of friends when I was your age, and then I had some groups of friends that like every time I spent time with them, I would walk away feeling less. I would walk away feeling like, I wish I had not done that. Um, Who you spend time with, what you spend time looking at makes a big difference in your life. Yes, ma'am? Lack of purpose. Great answer. Why am I here? Well, if I don't get an answer... I'm going to assume, I don't know, what's the point? I might as well just go. Paige. Abuse or bullying. Abuse or bullying. Life hurts. Sometimes life is like a scalpel, and it hurts real specifically, right to like the, that most tender place, and it's like, I don't want to ever feel that way again. I, I don't know how to get away from this. And so suicide is an answer. Let's just do a couple more. Alex. People don't listen to your problems, and you feel like you've got all these problems, and you are isolated and alone, and you're the only one. Students, if you hear nothing else I say, although I hope you hear it all, hear this today, you are not alone in your problems. You are not alone in your brokenness. You'd be surprised. You'd be amazed the people sitting all around you in this room right now wrestling with the same level of pain and suffering as you. Last one. Yes, ma'am. Social media, great answer. I'm glad you said that. You guys, social media, this idea of looking, one, at this thing all day every day, taking us out of real life because we're settling for this false life, and the fact that social media, it basically is everybody's best foot forward. So every time I spend much time on this, I walk away thinking, is it me or is everybody else's life better than mine? Is it me or is everybody having a better time than me? Which, if left to that thought process, can get real lonely real fast. All right, let's move on. For the past two years, this student ministry, your student ministry, we've been speaking, about, speaking out about this idea of self-destruction, about taking one's own life, about the fact that we live in the number one county for years now of suicide, of giving up in the worst way possible. It is something we talk about because it is the issue of your day. I'm not going to hide from this. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. We're going to attack it right in its face. We're going to address it. There's a world out there on your phone, on your television, in your schools, on Netflix that says, oh, just give up. Just kill yourself. It's a great way to get back at them. Nothing could be further from the truth. And so we're going to talk about it. And as we have been talking about it the last two years, God has given us his word on this subject. He's given us his inspiration on how to combat it. And as a result, we have been privileged to develop some very useful tools, effective tools, proven tools, 
at fighting this idea, of reversing this idea that suicide is a good optional way of dealing with our problems. Nothing could be further from the truth. And we've talked about that, and God has given us some tools as a result. We've developed some effective resources like just one of these, a sermon. There is a sermon that I gave about a year ago on a 21 Pilots song called Neon Gravestones. A neon, light, shining, little gravestone-shaped thing that is calling for our lives, calling for our attention. And as we just said, calling us to compare ourselves and feel insecure and feel empty and connected to the whole world but so set apart. This idea that these little neon gravestones that we carry around is speaking death over us and giving us the wrong idea. And so we did a sermon about how the social media and the devices we're living through, the negative effects, and not just biblically, not just in song lyrics, the science is there. These things, abused, kill us. They kill our sense of self, our sense of purpose, and they convince us, I might as well end it all. In this sermon, God used it. He just blessed it. And thank God for the day and age we live in where even though I gave that sermon a year ago, it's online. It's available. You can go find it. Type in sermon, common neon gravestones, and there it is. And this sermon has set people free in this room right now and across the nation. People have still writing to us, even though it's a year old, saying, I found your sermon while I was looking for a way to kill myself, and I listened to it, and everything changed. Here's an example of one of the testimonies we received. I clicked on the message, Neon Gravestones, and halfway into the sermon, I could not stop crying. I am now proud to say that I am free from suicidal depression, and I have never felt so free in my life, and I want to thank you for the sermons. You guys, I have since developed a friendship with this person that wrote to me from, I think, Kansas, and he was looking for a way to end his life. He was looking for ideas on how to kill himself. And for whatever reason, our sermon, Neon Gravestones, populated on his page. And he took the time to listen to it. And it changed everything for them, for him. It's still out there. If you, today or any day, are struggling with suicidal thoughts, if you have a friend, you go find that sermon, you listen to that sermon, and you watch things happen when God's word gets inside of us, and we respond. But not just that one sermon. There are multiple sermons in that sermon series, The Gospel According to 21 Pilots. They sing about this idea of suicide and taking our own life all the time in many songs. And so we've done many sermons. So you can check out that resource as well, The Gospel According to 21 Pilots. It's online. There's 25, 30 sermons already. Here are some of the testimonies we've received from that series. Every single one of those 60 singular specific testimonies is from an individual, some in this room and some states away that have written to us and said, this saved my life. This changed the way that I think about who God is and who He created me to be. This sermon series, God has blessed it. He's still blessing it. And we've got proof to show this is a resource worth sharing. Another resource is the Seven Apples app. 
that we use here every Wednesday for our small groups. We take a little bite-sized chunk of scripture, a little bit of creativity, we get in groups, we talk about it, and every single one of those 1,000 cards on the Seven Apples app, you can go get it for free if you don't have it yet, speak specifically to your identity, not what the world says you are, but who God says you are, and your purpose, not what the world says, make money in a big house and be popular, but what God says, you're more than a conqueror, you're royalty, you're my princes and princesses. And so this is an incredibly valuable tool that counteracts the effects of social media and our devices and living in a false reality. This is a tool that helps us understand our identity and our purpose, the two most important things to learn in this life. And so that's out there for you and for you to share with your friends. And then lastly, maybe most importantly, a resource that we have developed is this, is your student ministry, the way that you guys listen to what God says and respond, the way that you guys love each other, the way you guys work together, the way that you guys serve together, this may be the best resource. I wish this ministry was national so everyone could be a part of it. You guys, this is a healthy place where God's work gets room to work. And the way that you guys love each other and embrace each other on your best days and your worst is nothing short of supernatural. This ministry is a gift that you get to be a part of, that you get to enjoy and you get to share. And it doesn't happen without you. And so I can't take any credit for that. That's Jesus and you. And so I say, well done to you. But that's another resource that we have available to help people who are combating thoughts of no one sees me, nobody cares, I just want to end it. Because we have all of these resources that we have seen work at canceling out the idea of taking our lives and instead giving our lives to Jesus. We've taken them all, and we've developed a new resource where all of these things can live in one place. We've went and bought the domain neongravestones.com, and all of these things are now on it. You can go there today. You can point a friend to it next week. Neongravestones.com features the sermon, Neon Gravestones, right at the top. It features the national hotline that's 24 hours a day if you need to talk to somebody. It features the gospel according to 21 Pilots, the Seven Apples app, ways to get plugged into this ministry. There's even resources at the bottom for your parents if they don't know how to talk to you or others about suicide. This is a beautiful tool available to all, so keep using it and please share it. We don't make any money off of it. It is a free resource, but you know people that this could literally save their life today. So, know that it's out there. I'll use that as a segue to share with you a couple things. Um, exciting things have been happening for, for us, not just me, for us, this ministry, as a result of these tools being developed and gaining traction, gaining influence. Um, we have been written about, not, not me, us, in this student ministry, in Alt Press Magazine, I mean, this national music publication has looked at us and said, I don't know what's in the water down there in the spring and woodlands, but these students are doing something super cool, and that article is national. We've been written about in local papers, national publications. The Houston Art, uh, Chronicle did a huge spread on us back on Super Bowl Sunday. We've been featured on Fox News. Local Fox News put us on television and said, man, if you need help, if you need someone to know that um, they care about you, 
go to the Woods Edge Student Ministry over on Gosling. It's a great place to be. We have also been invited to be part of a board of directors for Greater Montgomery County to pull together resources and influence to combat the suicide epidemic that's still alive and kicking that we want to squash. And so county judges are on this thing. Hospital board directors are on this thing. Superintendents of school are part of this thing. And then I don't, I'm on this thing. Like, you've got these major movers and shakers in our community, and they're like, and we'll take Justin. So I don't know what I'm doing there, but I'm privileged to be there. As we, as our student ministry, have been invited, hey, there's a bigger problem beyond the four walls of our church that's happening. Will you be a part of it? And so we get to be a part of that. And that is a credit to all of you using these resources, sharing them, letting them work, and helping them work for others. And then lastly, there's this television show that's coming out next year, Breaking Strongholds, where they are taking a teenage actor from our area, and they're spotlighting him in an eight-episode television series called Breaking Strongholds, where they will tell the story of a Montgomery County teenager wrestling with suicide and how he abandoned his plans and turn to Jesus. And they will film, and are already filming some of it right here in our building, right here in our services, right here in our small groups. And that is just a wonder that we get to be a part of it. Now, I say all of that to get to the point that last week I was sitting with those writers and those directors of that television series right out here in the game room. And we were writing some scenes that are going to be filmed right here in this building in March. And the main character wanting to end it, wanting to give his, like, just end himself, we are going to have him, very true to his real story, abandon his plans of suicide at the last minute. Instead of giving in, he's going to come to church, which is very similar to what really happened to him in real life. He's going to come to this church, and he's going to hear one of these sermons, and then I'm going to sit down with him and share some scripture, helping him recognize how God redeems all things, how God is bigger than our emotions, how God died on a cross to set him free and us free from the lie that suicide is the right way. And he's going to be so moved and impressed by that verse, by God's word, that he's going to decide to get baptized right out here in that episode. And so as we were talking about and writing that scene, I'm thinking, man, I need, I need the perfect scripture for this scene. And so I start looking through the Bible for this perfect verse to help tie all this together and show those realities. Now, my go-to verse for salvation is Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10, that says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then it just restates the exact same thing a second time. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Salvation is a two-step process. Believe in your heart that Jesus is real. And then tell somebody about it. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just be willing to believe. All right, Jesus, I, I, I think you're real. I'm going to give this a shot. I believe even if your faith is the size of a mustard seed. I believe that you're real. And then tell someone. Declare it. Big or small, but tell someone, I believe this, and you are saved. If you've ever wondered, am I saved? That's it. Believe in your heart that Jesus is real. Declare it. Tell somebody about it. Saved. Unrevocable. Now, that's my go-to verse, but it didn't feel like the perfect one. 
And so I'm like, well, the most beautiful way I know to declare publicly a belief in your heart that Jesus is real is baptism. And so I looked this verse up on baptism in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, which says, going under the water was a burial of your old life. And then coming back up out of the water was a resurrection. God has raised you from the dead as He did His own Son, Jesus Christ. Burial, death, and then resurrection. And I said to myself, that's it. That's perfect. And I had a revelation as I looked at that Scripture. And here it was. There's a striking similarity between salvation and suicide. I don't know if that's a controversial thing to say. I'm not going for controversial today. But there's a striking similarity in salvation and suicide. Because if you remember the definition of suicide, it's an intentional ending. It's an intentional destruction. And salvation, baptism, is also an intentional ending, an intentional burial, an intentional death. But it doesn't end with death. It ends with life. God never intended us to take our lives. That's not His will for you. That's not His will for me. He did intend for us to give our lives to Jesus. Different but similar ideas. When it comes to suicide, to wanting to escape, when it comes to feeling, I can't take it anymore, I don't know who I am, I don't know why I'm here, your impulse and my impulse to get away from all of that is absolutely right. Our method is absolutely wrong. Our impulse to escape the fact that this life is too hard, it does hurt too much, is right. But our method of ending ourselves, killing ourselves, is wrong. Let's look at how we're supposed to take that impulse and respond to it properly. How do we die to all of the pain and the suffering and the emptiness and the hopelessness that's all around us? How do we die to that without killing ourselves? I'm going to share four scriptures with you. And at the end of each, I'm going to ask you to pray four times. I don't just want you to pray for yourself. I also want you to pray for someone you know. So whatever your state, you probably know what it feels like to want to give up. And I guarantee you that you know someone that's in a place today who wants to give up. Would you right now take your brown prayer tags and pen, and as you do, just ask the Lord, who do I know? You might not even know they're wrestling with it. Who do, you, who do I know, Jesus, that you want to use this time for, for me to pray for, for me to lift to you? And as he gives you a name or names, just write them at the top of your page. But we're going to read four scriptures and we're going to pray four times for ourselves and that person or people and know that as you do, something's going to happen. Something's going to change for your good and theirs. Scripture number one, thing to remember, number one, when you feel like dying, when you feel like giving up and throwing in the towel, you need to remember, man, God's heart for you is that you would get serious in that moment about asking for help. The devil wants to make you think, don't tell anyone, keep it to yourself. God's heart is that you would get serious in that moment. When you're realizing this is life or death, get serious about asking for help when you feel helpless. 
Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. That's him talking to you right now. I know the plans that I have for you, student. And they are plans to give you a future and a hope. Plans for peace and not evil. Never forget that. When you call on me, as you write to me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen to you. I will listen to you right now. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me, when you're desperate to find me, and when you want it more than anything else, I will make sure that you won't be disappointed. I will end your captivity, and I will restore you completely. We need to get serious in our hardships about seeking Jesus. And when he says, when we do that, he heals, he rescues, he restores. Our impulse to escape the things that make us feel like hiding, it's right. We weren't made for this world. We weren't made to settle for this life and what it offers. We're made for Jesus and heaven. So our impulse to want to get away from all this crud is right. Our method is just wrong. Our method should be not thinking suicide is the way, but that Jesus, salvation is the way. Here's your prayer. Jesus, rescue me. Throw a little desperation in it. Acknowledge your hurt and your pain in it and just cry out today, Jesus, rescue me. I can't rescue myself. I can't save myself. I think about this all the time and I can't get away from it. Just write a prayer. Call out to him today with some meaning and say, Jesus, rescue me. And as you have thought of a friend who may need that exact thing, will you just say, Jesus, rescue them. Use me, if you will, but rescue them. Pray for yourself and others. Rescue us, Jesus. Pray it like you mean it. Know that he's listening and he's already responding. The second thing that we need to remember when we feel like dying, small or big, when we feel like just throwing in the towel and giving up, our impulse to want to escape the things that hurt us is right. Our method, the way we do it, is wrong. Mark chapter 8 reminds us that we need to get serious about changing our ways. Mark 8, 34 through 37, Jesus said to the crowd and his disciples, that's us right now, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Another version says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must take your way of life and nail it, kill it. Nail it to the cross. Get rid of it. Get rid of your way of, not your life, get rid of the way you've been living your life. The way that has led you to this place of hopelessness. Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try and control it, if you try and keep it to yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you'll save it. What do you benefit, you guys, if you gain the whole world doing things the world's way but lose your soul? Nothing is more valuable than your soul. Our impulse is right. This world stinks. This hurts. I don't like it down here. Our method of escapism and suicide is absolutely 
wrong. When we feel like dying, we shouldn't think, I'm just going to destroy my life. We should think, I'm going to destroy the way I've been living because it doesn't work. Here's your prayer. Jesus, I'm desperate here. Show me a better way. Show me a better way to deal with my pain. Show me a better way to deal with my sufferings. Show me a better way to escape this mess, even if it means I have to walk through it. Jesus, please, right now, show me a better way than what the media tells me to do, than what the devil tells me to do. And if you've got a friend that desperately needs to be shown a better way, ask the Lord, show them. Ask the Lord, would you have me show them? Would you have me share that website? Would you have me share what we talked about in church today? Pray for yourself. Pray for that other person. Scripture 3, when you feel like dying, we need to remember to get serious that we are living in a spiritual realm. We are not just physical beings. There is a spiritual reality going on all day, every day. If you could even see what's going on in this room right now. Student grabbed me right after last service. I barely even processed this and said, every Sunday for the last month that you've preached, it feels like this golden healing fog is going out in the room and that every single student, I see crowns on their head. There is a spiritual reality to what we are talking about. Ephesians 4 21 through 27, if you've really experienced Jesus and heard his truth, it should be seen in your lives. It should change you. So throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which has been corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous, truly holy. Discard every form of dishonesty. Are you lying to yourself, to others? Are you hiding something? Discard every form of dishonesty so that you'll be known as one who always speaks the truth for we all belong to each other. People in your life need to know that you are wrestling too. When you share your wrestling, they share their wrestling. Darkness becomes light. Don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you, not even for a day. And here's the kicker. For anger gives the devil a foothold. When we give in to the passion of our emotions, whether it's lust or anger or rage or jealousy, when we act on it, when we know we shouldn't, it says it gives the enemy, our spiritual enemy, a foothold into our life, a back door into our thinking and our feeling. You wonder why at three in the morning you can't sleep and you're thinking about killing yourself or hurting other people. You've given a back door to the devil himself through your bad behavior. And I'm not saying that as judgment. I do it too. When I complain, I give the enemy a back door to come in and make me only think of complaint to the point where I'm like, why can't I think of anything positive? Because I spoke out something that was sinful and painful and wrong. Our behavior has spiritual implications. You are not alone in those moments when you feel like you want to kill yourself or give up. The enemy is there dancing for glee that he might be about to get another one. There's a spiritual reality to your sadness and mine. 
when we feel like dying, we need to remember that our behavior has spiritual consequences. But thank you, God, in the name of Jesus, we have a solution. Even now, if you're like, oh my God, I did do that thing, how do I escape? You can pray. You can get serious and call out to Jesus and say, help me. Here's how we're going to pray for this one. Jesus, break every foothold that the enemy has in my life. Right now, write it down by faith. Jesus, close every back door that I've given to the enemy. I know looking at porn has been messing me up. I know that gossiping about her has really been wrecking me and now makes me afraid that someone's going to gossip about me. I know that the enemy's behind this. Jesus, break every foothold, close every door. He loves prayers like that. He's been waiting for you to pray that. Jesus, break the enemy's foothold in my life and in my thinking and close the door and help me change the way that I think and act. And if you've got a friend that you have just been longing to see change, even now thinking, man, I do think the enemy is like poking and prodding her or him, ask on their behalf, Jesus, break the foothold in their life close the door to the enemy's schemes against my friend. Last one, when you feel like dying or giving up, we need to get serious about going all in. One of the greatest dangers of Christianity, of salvation, and I know it from experience, is when you're living half in and half out. When some of you is at church and all the rest of you is thinking and acting in a way that you know is not good for you, We need to get serious about being all in with Jesus. Don't leave the enemy an inch of ground. Colossians chapter 2, going under the water was a burial, an end to not your life, your old way of life. And coming up out of it was a resurrection. It was brand new. It was whole and healthy and healing. God wants to raise you from the dead, and it only happens by a public declaration of, I am all in. Think of baptism. You're not just putting your foot in. You're not just going up to your knees. You go all the way in and then back out brand new, shining and glistening with that water and feeling clean. You can't just be in with Jesus a little bit. He wants all of you. So be all in with him. Here's your prayer. When you feel like dying, don't give up. Go all in with Jesus. Jesus, you might want to pray today, I give my whole self to you. I give you my thoughts. I give you my feelings. I give you my temptations. Jesus, I give all of you to me. I don't even know what it means. I don't even know what it looks like, but I know I need it. Jesus, I give all of you myself today. All of it. Take all of me. And if you've got a friend that's waffling, one, don't judge him, but two, pray for him. Jesus, may they be all in. Break their heart for what breaks yours. And so that you know that this works, and I'm just not giving lip service up here, I will quickly tell you my story, which many of you know, 10 years in alcoholic, every day of that decade, drinking, giving my life to sin. 2006, at the the worst moment of my alcoholism, I was killing myself with it, and it had such a profound negative effect that I was contemplating actually killing myself. And instead of taking my life in that moment, I asked for help. Instead of giving in, in that moment that everything in me wanted to, I asked for help. And I remember exactly what I prayed. I got serious with God. I got honest 
in that moment. And here's what I said, Jesus, I don't have the power to stop drinking, but I know you do, so please help me. That was it. I don't have the power to stop. You do. Help me. You're God. I'm not. Help me. And in that minute, my thoughts cleared, like perfect clear, like like glassy water stillness clear, and I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, Jesus wanted me to confess that thing to another person, not just him, but to my small group leader. And so I picked up the phone at two or three in the morning, and I called, and they didn't answer, but I was desperate, committed. I was all in, and so I left a voicemail, and I said, Charlie, I'm an alcoholic. Words I had never spoken out loud before. It's killing me, and I can't bear the thought of waking up tomorrow and not having someone else know that about me. Please call me when you get up. I confessed my sin to another person, and Jesus was faithful, and he was just. And in that moment, I felt forgiven as I publicly declared my faith in him. And I felt clean, and I laid down on that bed that I had been kneeling next to, and I fell asleep, and I slept better than I'd slept in years. In that 10 years of drinking every day with no power to stop, when I woke up the next morning, that temptation to drink was gone, removed, healed, rescued. Jesus broke the power of the devil's hold on me in one prayer, one prayer desperate, serious moment where I just said, I can't do this, but I know you can help me. And he was like, just been waiting for you to ask. He ended my captivity, as he said in that early verse. He restored me completely. He saved my life. He broke the power of the devil. He raised me from the dead. And that next week, my whole life would be transformed. Everything about my routines, my thinking would change as he started walking me. Not a year later, After re-earning his good grace, that's not how it works. That week, he started ministering to me saying, this is who you are. This is why you're here. He gave me a new identity and a new purpose, new gifts and talents that excited me like nothing I'd ever experienced, definitely better than any high or being drunk moment I'd ever had. And all he had been waiting for to give all of that was for me to say, take all this other stuff away. We're going to close And I'm going to remind you of something that I hope you know. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they went the wrong way and had to step out of heaven for a season as we are just down here for a season, God always knew that life outside of heaven was going to be hard and it was going to hurt. So don't be surprised by that. That's why God knowing that this life is too much to handle for anyone. You think somebody's got it together? They don't. No one's got it all together. He knew it was going to be too hard, so he gave us gifts. He gave us the gift of his son. Jesus Christ died, sacrificed himself on that cross so that we wouldn't have to die. He died so we would get to live. He gave us his son, he gave us his Holy Spirit, and he gave us this, community. I confessed my need to Jesus, but he said, tell a friend, publicly declare it. You have no idea how important, how essential that ingredient is, but I want to help you understand. So I'm going to show you a quick little video of how important it is that you surround yourself with healthy biblical community. Check this out.
The youth suicide rate is the highest it's been since the government started collecting statistics in 1960. What can we do about it? Plenty. Reach out to children and teens, even if you don't know they're hurting. Being a mentor can make all the difference in a child's life. It was absolutely a terrifying time to be at the high school. John Chance is in college now, but recalls all too clearly about announcement after announcement of teen suicides, his own classmates in Montgomery County. And I really just remember feeling very fearful and just very watchful over everyone around me and thinking, you know, who else is struggling or who else is going through this and not saying anything. To make matters worse, John struggled with his own suicidal thoughts. He wants you to know one of the main reasons he's alive today is thanks to his mentor, Pastor Calvin, who met with him weekly in a small church group. I didn't come away after I met with John going, man, that was a great session with John. Boy, I feel so good. Man, I'm just doing, I'm making a big difference. Now, something was going, why is John bothering to meet with me? And I didn't know the effect I was having, which is huge. That is so important, uh, you know, to, for adults to say, I will take time. I'll give you that time. Hope you don't mind. John's life story will be featured in an online TV series called Breaking Strongholds. Um, and so I think with a TV series like this, it's really special because um, not only is it an accurate portrayal of what mental health is like and what the reality of that is, it's also offering hope to people who have that. You know, a hope of rehabilitation, of letting them know it's going to get better, that it doesn't last forever, um, and offering resources for the people that are struggling with that right now. John warns it's too hard to get through depression alone. That was the number one factor in me getting better. Um, having a mentor like Calvin, um, having a best friend that was willing to pick up calls at 2 a.m. in the morning. Carla McDougall and Robin Murray are thrilled to see how their project is becoming a launch pad to fuel serious conversations and help provide resources for problems like suicidal thoughts. We've been overwhelmed and amazed at, um, it's, it's like we're given a voice for people to feel safe, to share their stories, um, to share the struggles, um, to realize they're not alone, and even for parents to have a place to be able to, to say, you know, my child has dealt with this as well. When they see the film and they see themselves reflected in the film, um, and hopefully they're just sort of, you know, touched at that emotional core and they can connect, and they see, okay, Yes, that's me, I need to get help. And they offer resources to get help. Carla and Robin are also spreading hope through a suicide task force in Montgomery County with Judge Wayne Mack. Montgomery County leads all 254 counties in Texas with the highest teen suicide rate. Pastor Jason Ulmer at Woods Edge Community Church mentors students in this county. He encourages adults to slow down and listen and help young people. Our devices are imprisoning our minds. We try to help our students change the way that they think about the world that they live in and the fact that every single one of them has absolutely incredible potential and value that not only their story but their brokenness is beautiful and matters and not run from those things and hide those things but to just embrace that this is part of who I am and who God made me to be. Jacob Johns agrees with that advice. He tried to take his own life four times. He says he didn't have anyone to talk to. That is, until he was sitting all alone in PE at Conroe High School and coach Terrell Williams took notice, then did something about it. Well, I'm just trying to be alone. So he kept on coming closer and coming closer and it's like, 
I want you to be here. Like, what are you doing? That's when the coach found something in common for them to talk about, including his own tough childhood. I come from uh, a background of my childhood was uh, filled with like domestic violence and poverty and those type of things. And I identified with the feelings that he was showing me, not so much telling me, as I told other people, it's not so much what you say, it's what you don't say. He listened. He was there. He was a friend. The mentorship has been a real lifeline for Jacob the past few years. Nothing was important in my life anymore. And to see him uh, come into my life, it really helped me a lot. We hope you're empowered by knowing you alone can change someone's life just by being there for them. Breaking Strongholds will provide online resources for mental health through the website called Stronger Alliance. We have a link for you at fox26houston.com. The series is expected to be streaming online by January. All right, so a couple things from that video. I expect all of you to call me Pastro Jason Ulmer from now on. That's number one. Number two, something that I love the young man that was featured at the very end, Jacob Johns, and his coach at Conroe High School, who saw that this young man was struggling and alone and took the time to come and get alongside him and say, how are you? How can I help you? And get to know him, share his own hurts and pains, and how that relationship, that God-centered relationship, saved Jacob's life. You all have the power to do the exact same thing for the people in your life the people that you notice. Be noticers of the people in your life that are alone and hurting, even when you're alone and hurting, and just step into their life and say, how are you? You can make that same kind of impact. The other thing that I love about that is that Jacob, I'd never met him before they came and filmed that segment in this building. And he's got that small group leader, but he did not have a church home. And he said, just being in this building, being in this space, hearing about your ministry made such an effect on him that of all the days, he decided today to come and join our student ministry. He was here last service, and he just said, I want what you guys have. Students, you know people that desire, clapping is totally appropriate. You know people who need what you have here. There should be no empty seats in here. There are hurting people all around us. All we need to do is be willing to step into their pain, step out of ours, and invite them to come and hear something better than the world's way. I'm going to challenge you to respond to what you've heard today. You can respond in one of these ways or several. But if salvation comes from believing by faith and then declaring it, I'm going to give you four real easy, real beautiful ways to do that today. You can believe and declare your faith, your need for Jesus through confession. Those little brown prayer tags. Be a little more bold this week and maybe write your name on it. But name or no, drop them in our response boxes and let us pray for you this week. We pray for all of them weekly. We pray for all of them without fail. Even the one that last week wrote, you probably never read these, but yeah, we prayed for that one too. Another way that you can publicly declare your faith today, you can come and speak to any of our prayer partners, myself included, after this service, after any service, and not just confess to Jesus that you're hurt, that you can't take it anymore. Confess to a fellow believer and let us pray for you. A third way to publicly declare your faith, the most beautiful way I know, 
if you have not chosen to be baptized in the name of Jesus ever before, let today be your day. I would be honored. I've been saying this for weeks, and I still know there's somebody in this room, if not multiple people right now that are like, "Eh, I don't know about that. Today's your day. Receive salvation. Receive rescue. Receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Declare your faith. Say, I am all in with Jesus, and watch as things change for you this week like you never imagined. And lastly, we get to publicly declare our faith in Jesus by singing to him beyond just this room. But today, in this room, we're going to sing some words, and I want them to become your prayer. We're going to sing the words, Jesus, if you left the grave, if you left it all behind you, so will I. Jesus, if you gladly choose to surrender yourself, not to kill yourself, to surrender yourself, so will I. Jesus, If you gave your life, if you gave all that you had to love the people around you, so will I. It's not a have to, students. It's a get to. I'm going to pray for us. And you respond as you feel led. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you have declared this is the way to do things. Not this. Not the world's way. Not the devil's way. My way. Not suicide. Surrender. Not suicide, salvation. Not death, but life. And so we cling to that promise today. We ask you to speak to us more about it this week. We want to be a people not known for death, but for our lives. There are people all around us, even before the sun goes down today, that we can minister to, that you can take our brokenness and use to speak life into. May we recognize those opportunities and leap on them. We have prayed here today, and you are making things happen as a result. May those things be so obvious to us as we walk out of here today. We love you. We thank you that we get to declare, I need Jesus. May we declare that through confession and song well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.